0: Got one palm branch left. I don't know how many we got. We got a few, but there is one more palm branch up here. So if you're, if you didn't get one yet, you can grab one here or grab it after church if you want. I know, kids, you guys can take those home for sure. They can uh, remind you all week, you know, of who he is and what he's done in this whole uh, last week. You know, before the uh, crucifixion, the resurrection. Uh, before we get into today's message. I uh, just want to bring a couple updates to you. Uh, the first one is regarding our soap drive. If uh, you guys remember, we talked about collecting uh, soap for the city mission. And so I want to give you a quick update on the soap drive. I believe we've got a picture here behind us on, the, on it going out. I know Camille has said it's been a blessing to them. People have been receiving this very well. Again, it's not something that they can get with food stamps and some other things. So as these bags and these boxes of food go out, we're giving them laundry soap at the same time. So our goal was 50 bags for the month of March. Anybody know what day it is? March something, March 28th, right? Well, if you look at that, we've, we had over 30 collected out there and we had finances to buy over another 100. So we almost, I mean, we maybe we have by now tripled the goal for March on the soap drive. So thank you everybody for your participation. Thank you, Stacy and John, for helping there as well. Uh, and as well as Camille, I think she's up in that picture up there doing her thing uh, down at the City Mission. So we're just excited. I want to get, bring you guys up to, up to speed on that. Uh, the second thing uh, I just wanted to bring you up to date on is to my left, to your right, is our it's probably the last week I'll talk about extensively, until we bring another box down. Until we bring another box down, amen? Which means another $25,000 of our debt will be paid off in Jesus' name. So, I know we're getting close to that next level to pull that next one down. Uh, I know I, see, I love it when I start talking about the thing on my left and I see everybody start to squint. Everyone does this one of these things. I, I squint and I'm, I'm sitting right there and I see people squinting. So the current number is $1.150 million. So $1,150,000 is the debt that we have left yet to pay off on this building, on this whole campus. So we started, I mean, it's worth about $4 million. We started with a mortgage of over 3000000 million. We've got it down to just above $1 million. Uh, we're probably going to do some kind of celebration once we go under a $1 And then we are going to do one heck of a celebration when that last box is revealed and it says debt-free. In Jesus' name. And so we're going to have a great celebration there. So what I've asked for the past couple weeks, uh, one, you know that, this, this, that you would be in prayer about it. That you would just be in prayer about it. Just pray that we as a church continue to move down the path of being debt-free. And then also pray if God is just leading you in any way, shape, or form to partner with us in this. And I would, I would suggest that the Lord has been really dealing with you about being debt-free in your own life. As I messaged my message last week about, you know, whatever the seed that we plant is what we end up reaping. So if you're looking to be debt free in your own life, I would encourage you. I don't care if it's two bucks. (laughs) I'm not looking for the number. I'm just looking for obedience for God just to work on your heart for you to be obedient with it. God's going to pay off the debt. He'll use all of us and those who aren't even here yet to do that. I get that. And I'm not concerned about that. But this is just up here so we can see what God's doing. If you want to partner with that, I encourage you to do that. It's the second line on your offering envelope. It says generations, but that's what that means. It says building fund, generations. Second line on your offering envelope goes to there. And again, as I mentioned the past couple weeks, that's really above and beyond the tithes. So first line is your tithes and offering. And we had a great financial seminar yesterday. Uh, It was a blessing. Kingdom Financial came, if you remember, last week. Uh, pastor Micah Bowers came up he's part of the kingdom financial team and they did a wonderful job yesterday explaining stuff and what he reminded me of and all of those who were are there is that it all belongs to God everything belongs to God we are just a distribution center and we are to be stewards of what God has entrusted us with so it all belongs to him anyway So I'm not telling you how to do it, I'm just asking you to pray about this, but I do know that the Bible makes it very clear that it's all His, and He's asking us to give back to Him the first 10% as an act of obedience, and then He always challenges us, at least in my own life, to go above and beyond, amen? So I want to pray uh, over this offering here this morning, and I also want to, uh, the person's not here so I can say it, I won't give her name because she doesn't like to be called out. But at the end of service last week, this person had a kind of a prophetic vision during the service as I was talking about the debt reduction. And here's what it says. It says, I saw on the wall a million dollars, and I heard the Lord say, I will subtract a zero from it. Guys, let me put that in perspective. A zero coming off the number does not mean $10,000. Let me take you back to math. We're removing a decimal place. And in this case, the decimal place is the million number. Okay, so when he says, when, when we've, so the Lord is giving a vision of removing a zero, it means what once had seven zeros now has six zeros. Amen? And I'm believing that first number is still the one. So, I mean, we're talking from... million to only $100,000. And so that was exciting, but here's what's more exciting. Along with that, here is what she saw. She saw on the logo of the church, the interstates of route 79 and 90. And I saw prodigals walking on it towards the center of the cross. He is bringing the prodigals back into the fold. Amen? I mean, the first part was great. The second part is what it's all about. The first part's awesome, cool, we can clap and cheer. But the second part, God drawing back to him those who are part of his family. Amen. That's what's exciting. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are truly just distribution centers of your resources that you've given us. Father, may we be faithful stewards of what you've given to us. Thank you for leading us and guiding us. And Lord, we put our trust in you with our finances. And so, Father, we also pray for this message on Palm Sunday, that you would just open our eyes to see your goodness, your faithfulness, and how you want to work and operate in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, guys, I've got two testimonies I want to share this morning. How many love a good testimony? Only some of you. How many of you love a good testimony? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have somebody wave a palm branch for a good testimony, okay? All right, this is, uh, we got this over the website. A young lady named, uh, you know, someone named Jessica Rossi. Does anybody know Jessica Rossi? Oh, yeah, we know Jessica Rossi. She sent it in. I love it when she sends me these things uh, because she knows how much I love testimonies. Uh, She was in youth group with me when I was a youth pastor, and she'd be like, Pastor Jason, I've got to tell you something that happened this week. And then the next week she would say, Pastor Jason, I've got to tell you something that happened this week. And I absolutely love it. She says this, I'm a type 1 diabetic, and my hemoglobin, there's going to be a lot of medical terms, I'm probably going to skip those, which was, and she gives the whole thing, uh, which is linked to sugar, and all these things she talks about, spontaneous bond with hemoglobin, present these things, was 7.6, which she hadn't seen since she was diagnosed at the age of two and a half. 7.6 is a good number, it needs to go down. What the number was in the beginning was 12 which was really bad. But at 7.6, she's continuing to confess to get to the 6.5 that her doctor wants to see. I was also told these things with proteins and stuff that's coming out of her kidneys was now down to 69%, which used to be at 100%. So praise God for his healing power in her life. And here's another one. So he's not here today. I asked him if I could share it. I was going to have him share it, but he's not here today. Charles Musella. Love this guy. Awesome man of the Lord. Evangelist at heart. Loves to share the gospel. But if you remember last week, somebody came up to me and said, I think somebody wants, I think God wants to do some healing on people's back. And that person mentioned that to me and it just resonated with my spirit. And I called people up here for that last song. I said, if you've got pain in your back in any way, shape, or form, I want you to come up here during that last song. Well he came up, I saw him kneel right over there, and he said the moment he stood up after worshiping with that song, the pain was gone. Completely gone. And he said, that's really great news, but he said, I'm not going to tell anybody. So I want to make sure that it's gone in Jesus' name. And so he went all week, and, his, and Brenda's wife as a witness, he went all week, and he didn't call me until yesterday. He said, Pastor Jason, <laughs> the word that the Lord had, the healing he wanted to do last week, was for me. And I could have been for other people as well, but it was for him. And his back is completely and totally healed in Jesus' name. So <laughs> praise God. He is so good. I love testimonies. All right, open your books. Open your Bibles. That great book that you have in front of you or your phone to Matthew 21. Matthew 21. This is Palm Sunday. And I want to talk to you about a couple of things here this morning regarding Palm Sunday. And I want to read the story first. And then I'm going to take a break right in the middle of the story. I'm going to give some points about Palm Sunday that I think are important, what those palm leaves really mean, why did Jesus come in on a donkey, we're going to talk about those things. And then we're going to pick back up after he came into Jerusalem and see what Jesus did next. How many of you know when when someone knows that they're in their last week of their life, you kind of want to look real closely as to what they're doing and what they're saying? And I believe that as we begin this Palm Sunday, as we're we're moving towards Good Friday and Easter, I want us to look at what did Jesus do after entering Jerusalem. And so let's start in Matthew 21, verse 1. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately, I love this. Immediately, Jesus knew what was going to happen. Immediately, you will find a donkey tied in a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says to you, as anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord has need of them and immediately he will send them. So first let's just stop for a minute. Like I'm just like, wait a second. Jesus just was sending his disciples into like, you know, thieve up a donkey or like what's going on here right as you read it if you just read it all by itself in context but what you have to know is god knew jesus knew exactly what was going to happen how it was going to play out he was doing nothing but asking for them to be obedient to his command and knowing exactly what was going to happen jesus said go and get that he said immediately you'll find it immediately And then in other Gospels, I'm not going to read them, but it says, you know, somebody did ask them, and they said, hey, the Lord has need of this. And immediately they let them go to come back to where Jesus was. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying this. We read this this morning. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. Can we stop there for a second? What did we say earlier? What did we say earlier? Whatever he says to go do, do it. Whatever he says to go do, do it. Whatever Jesus is speaking to you to go do, do it. It may not make sense to you. It probably didn't make any sense. Jesus is telling me to go and take, take, I don't understand. But what happens is they went and they command, whatever he commanded them, they went and did it. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches, these palm branches that we have, from the trees and spread them on the road. And the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, Hosanna. They're crying out, Hosanna. To the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Verse 10. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. When Jesus shows up to your town, when Jesus shows up to your life, everything is moved. Guys, when you invite Jesus into your life, everything Is moved. Everything begins to shake. Everything that we used to stand on says that this is what I'm standing on. This is what I believe. When Jesus begins to penetrate in there, you begin to see things in a totally different way. When he came into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? And so the multiple said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. So I want to paint a picture here just for a minute. Think about this. This entire city of Jerusalem, Jesus is riding down on a donkey. There's people laying their clothes down. There's palm branches coming down. And they're yelling out, Hosanna, Hosanna. Save now, save now, save now, save now. And what we have to remember is the people, those same people who were saying save now, many of those were the same people who ended up persecuting him and turning him in, and having him crucified just five days later. And you're like, what? This big event, the circumstance, everyone's excited. You see, what happened is, is they had this expectation that was wrong. They had an expectation that was wrong. They expected Jesus to come in and be the conqueror, and to blast everything up, blow everything up, and say, I'm the king now. I'm the new sheriff in town. All oh, the government now is on my shoulders. And they're thinking of the, pro- the prophetic words that it wasn't quite the time for those things to be fulfilled yet. And they completely missed it. They completely missed it. But here's what's interesting. Here are five things about Palm Sunday, about what happened in the story we just read, that can remind us that Christ is king. Number one, God's word tells us the people cut down palm branches. We just read that. What do palm branches actually represent? They represent goodness and victory. Like they're getting fired up. Like, woohoo, this is going to be awesome. Victory, baby, victory. Like you can imagine like the energy and the excitement. People are getting fired up. This is going to be awesome. And Christ is king. And he is coming to rule and to reign. But it wasn't in this part of the story. It's part of the story where he comes again, when he will rule and reign. This part of the story is where he had to be the sacrifice for our sins. And they missed, they didn't see that as it it was happening. Number two, Jesus chose to ride on a donkey. Why is this important? Because a donkey symbolized peace. So if they would have realized he was coming in on a donkey, he was actually peace. He wasn't coming in on a massive horse with a sword, right? I mean, this is what I think they were hoping for. That this is it. He's coming. It's time. But he actually rode on a donkey, which symbolized peace. So those who choose to ride on them showed a peaceful intention. And what Jesus was doing is... Reminding us that yes he is the king of kings But he's also the prince of peace Number three The people shouted Hosanna Because even though their expectation was wrong They knew in their hearts They needed a savior Save now All of them shouting save now They needed a savior Number four The Bible says that Jesus wept for Jerusalem. He wept. We know that he's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords because of his heart of compassion. He wept because he knew that the same people who were cheering today would be the ones jeering tomorrow. And he wept. In the midst of the moment, he knew what was going to happen. His heart broke. With the reality of how much they truly did need the Savior. And number five was Palm Sunday reminds us that the reign of Christ is far greater than any that the mind of man can conjure up. You see, they thought it was going to be one way, and it turned out to be a completely different way. And so here's what's interesting. I want to pick back up on the scripture that follows after this. Because here's the interesting thing. Everyone's excited. Here he comes. The king is coming. He's riding on this horse. Hosanna, save now, save now, save now. And look at the first thing that he goes and does after he comes in on the donkey. Are you ready for this? I don't know if you're really ready for this or not. Are you really ready for this? In Matthew 21, pick it back up. Then in verse 12, Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple. And he overturned the tables. This is the infamous flipping the tables over story. This is Jesus literally going into the temple, beginning to flip the tables over. And the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. The very first thing that he does after he comes riding in, they're saying, save now, save now, save now. The first thing he does and goes into the temple and he drives out that which shouldn't be there. Very first thing that he does. And as I was reading it, I was reminded that during this week, as we're leading up to Easter, we are the temple of God. We are the temple. And so as we're entering this holy week, this week leading up to Easter, we have to remember that Jesus wants to do what in our life? He wants to get in there and remove all the stuff that isn't supposed to be there. And you're just like, oh no, 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 that's not what I want. Jesus, yeah, that's like, this is not fun. This is supposed to be the happy week. We're so joyful. You came in on a donkey. We're waving the, the palm branches and save now. Woohoo. Save now. Come be. And now what is he going to do? He's going to come in and he's going to begin to take out the stuff that doesn't belong. You're like, really? This is the first thing that Jesus did. And so what is our response? If this is the first thing Jesus did, he went after the things that needed to be removed. What is our response? Our response is to ask the Lord, what needs to be removed in my life? What is it in here? If this is the most important thing, it's the last week of his life, he wants to show us exactly what to do. He went into the temple. If we are now the temple, he is coming into us this week, and we have to say, Lord, please remove. Are you willing to say it? Are you willing to pray it? Because if you pray it and you mean it, he's going to do it. And so, I, I mean, it's like a cautionary prayer. Or maybe a dangerous prayer. I'll tell you what. You need to ask the Lord, well, I know he wants you to do it. He wants you to do it, but you've got to say, Lord. <laughs> remove from here that which is blocking more of you in my life. What is it, Lord? What is it, Lord? Because during the first thing he did, he came in, he went right into the temple, and he started removing the stuff. Removing the money changes, removing everything that what shouldn't belong there. And so that's what Jesus wants to do in our life. It might be painful and challenging, but he wants to remove that stuff from our life. There's sin that he wants to remove from our life. There's words that we speak that he wants to remove out of our life. Because the power of our words. There may be certain things that we struggle with. Maybe we sit in judgment over things all the time. He wants to remove that from our life. He says, judge not lest you be judged. So when we sit in judgment over something that we shouldn't be sitting in judgment over, we need to remove that from our life. Jesus doesn't want it there anymore. He wants that out. He wants gossip out. He wants disunity out. He wants it all out. And so we have to be willing to say this week, Lord, remove that which needs removed. This is the, you know, everyone's, This is I'm not getting shouted down this morning. This is like, you know, wait a bit, what about all the goodness? And yeah, it all it ends up being goodness. Because he is good, because he loves you, because he cares for you, he doesn't want the stuff that's in here that needs removed to stay. Because the stuff that's in here, if not removed, causes what? Sickness. Death. Death. Pain. Agony. It has to be removed. You know, there's studies that link the amount of bitterness someone shows in their life to cancer. There's like a direct line correlation. Now, I'm not saying everybody who has cancer has a problem with bitterness. But I'm saying what it is, is it's it's an understanding that there is a root of something on the inside that's being allowed to grow that we have to remove. And we have to let Jesus do the work to do it. Not in your own strength. Not in your own. but, But you have to be willing to allow him to come into the temple and to flip some tables. Are you willing this morning to let Jesus come in and flip some tables. And it's like, oh, well, Pastor Jason, that's a great message he gave on Sunday morning about letting Jesus come in and flip the tables, but really I don't want to actually execute on that all week. No, he wants that for you all week, not just Sunday morning. He wants to flip tables and remove the stuff, get it out that doesn't belong there. You say, well, how am I going to do that? Verse 13. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. So what do we do? We have to pray. We have to pray. If we're going to cleanse the temple, we're going to move it all out, then we have to put back in the temple only what he can put back in there. And we have to say, Lord, you do the work. And we have to pray. The Bible talks about when, when uh, the demon possessed guy, when, the, when the, uh, the demons left, it was swept clean. You have to fill it back up with something. We have to fill it back up with the word of God. Fill it up and be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Fill back up the place that was all that stuff that got removed. Fill it up with him. More of him. We can do that through prayer. Jesus reminds us that his house... Is a house of prayer. So our response to that is it's really a call to prayer this week. Say, Lord, mold me, shape me, change me, help me. Be willing to allow Him to root out those things. Verse 14. Here's the hallelujah, here's the praise, here's I might get a couple amens. So if we are willing to follow this process that God has, that Jesus modeled on his last week on this earth, that he said, I'm coming into the temple, I'm blowing all this stuff out, I need you to pray because my house is called a house of prayer, what begins to happen? Look at the next verse. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Then he healed them. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean, then he healed them? Think about that. He came in. He removed everything from the temple that shouldn't be there. He said, let us pray, seek him and who he is, and then healing is released. Now, I've talked, there's ten different ways God heals in the Bible. This isn't the only way, but this is one of the ways. But think about that. The blessing blockers, the healing blockers, the things that in our life, Jesus wants those removed. He wants those removed from your life. He says, then the blind and the lame came. And if you're interested to look in that word, that word blind there doesn't just mean physically blind. It actually means emotionally blind. Psychologically blinded. It means total and complete healing. Not just blind eyes. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what do we do in response to this? We run to Him. We run to Him. We run to Him. Say, Jesus, clear this temple. Fill me up with your power and your spirit. And then we just run to Him. This week, our eyes need to be focused on Him and Him alone. I don't know what situation you're in, I don't know what circumstance you're in, I don't know what challenge that you have, but I'm telling you, if you pray this prayer and you begin to say, Jesus, remove those things which are hindering you from moving greater in my life, and you pray that prayer, what happens, I believe is what the Bible says, is then God begins to move and work mightily in our lives. Changing things we didn't even expect. A lot of times, changing things we didn't know needed changed. He is working. He is working. That word blind, like I said, literally means physically and mentally. The lame. Physically. Every need that we have. He wants to heal. So what's our plan this week for Holy Week as we enter it? As we lead up to... Good Friday, said, if you want to come back up. Remove that which needs removed. You say, well, how do I do that this week? It's a word called repentance. It's a word called repentance. And if we can believe and think on Jesus and what He did and what He went through this week. If we can reflect on our life and say, Jesus, show me that which needs removed. And when he shows it to you, be willing to say, Lord, I see that. Lord, I see that. And I repent for that. Lord, give me the strength to remove that from my life. And then I tell you, you can't do this on your own. You have to run to him. You have to run to him. And what I find interesting is these are the first things that Jesus did during this week. And then he began to teach some of the most important things that he had taught for that last week. And if you look at the Gospels, a lot of them are like one-third, one-half A large portion of the Gospels are what Jesus spoke during his last week on this earth. And so the interesting thing is, is as Jesus says, remove that stuff, repent of those things, I will fill you up. It is then where we are now positioned to hear all that he has for us. All that is coming, all that is before us. you close our eyes this morning and bow your heads? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we thank you for this week, for what you've done, what you're going to do, what you really already have done that we are just remembering this week. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Jesus, we thank you for clearing the temple. And Father, we ask that you remove that which needs removed so we can clearly see and hear what you have for us. And Jesus, we run to you Every day this week, our hearts, our eyes are focused on you and you alone. Father, we love you, we worship you, and we praise you. If you're here this morning, keep your eyes closed and head bowed. If you're here this morning, you've never never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. You say, I've heard about this Easter story. I know what happened, but I've never truly made that decision. If you feel the Holy Spirit just pulling on the inside this morning, if that's you, say, Pastor Jason, I want to make Jesus my Lord. I believe what happened this 2,000 years ago. And I want to make him my Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand up. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, Father, we pray for those who rose rose their hand up today, both here and online, those who are watching. Father, we speak the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over their lives. Father, we thank you that they are making decisions to receive you today, to receive all that you are, who you are in their lives. And Lord, I know that you begin to work in their life, to mold, to shape, to change, to remove, to make whole. To make whole. We thank you for it in your precious name. Amen. Now those that rose their hand up, I saw your hand, so I want you to meet me up here afterwards so we can just begin to minister and talk to you and tell you about God's goodness, His faithfulness, and His love that He has for you, for what He did this week. Babe, you want to share anything?
1: Such a good message so I love the Holy Spirit and how he ties things together because earlier he talked about how there's point A and point B and when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that donkey those people were crying Hosanna and they had in mind what Jesus was gonna do But that's not at all what he did and they wanted to be saved and so he went to the temple and started flipping tables that was the saving Mm -hmm. you want to be saved get rid of this get rid of this That made them hate him. So he was doing what they cried out for. But the process was not preferable to them. His methods were not preferable to them. And so they hated him. And they called for him to be crucified. As we walk with Jesus, we cry out to be crucified with him. And the process is not preferable we trust in him. And if I asked how many people go to the doctor and when you go there, they do things that are not comfortable (laughs) from the, from the blood pressure cuff, which is actually not painful, but it's definitely not comfortable to things that are just really painful. But there's a level of trust you have that that doctor is working for your good. There's pain in the process and we trust that with doctors. But when it comes to Jesus, sometimes we're just like. What are you doing? Where are you? Like, where are you? He's working. He's working. But the process is is never what we think it is. And I just love how that message just ties all of that together. And I love, it says, and then they came. Then they came. You wanna know, why aren't the seats filled? We're in the process, baby, but I have every confidence that God is working, amen. and they're coming. Amen. They're coming. The blind, the hurting, and the broken, they're coming in droves because Jesus is the only answer.
0: Amen. amen. Oh, well, well, I'm going to say a benediction over you guys. Prayer team, if you guys want to come up here. There'll be people up here who can pray for you. Again, if you raised your hand, I want to see you up here Um, because I just want to talk to you for a couple minutes and just minister to you. But as I read this benediction, the prayer teams will be here in the front. If you need prayer for healing, just an agreement for anything, relationship-wise, whatever it is, they're here to pray with you, to talk with you. You don't have to share all the details if you don't want, but they are people of faith who will pray with you and agree with you in the name of Jesus. Revelation 7.12 says this. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might. Can I read it again? Think about this. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God. Our God forever and ever. Amen? Amen and amen. You are dismissed. Happy Palm Sunday. Invite someone to Easter service next week. Same time, same place, 10 a.m. We'll see you then.